0: The Seeing Red Podcast.
1: That's right. That's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And we come to you since last, since our last episode last week, with two more losses for the Red Storm. They have plummeted down now to twelve and eight overall. And more importantly, 1-6 and six in the Big East. They are now 1-6 and six and in sole possession of last place. And really a full game back now of last place in the conference at 1-6. and six, Losers of six of their first seven and still seeking that first road win uh, in the conference this week. You give them credit. They were uh, big underdogs against two... Very, very good opponents. One ranked in in now the top 10 and one uh, with one of the best players in the country. Really both teams featuring uh, two of the best players in the country. They only fall by three against a Seton Hall team that certainly had more talent than them. Uh, Obviously blew a 13-point lead at halftime in that game, but nonetheless uh, really fought hard in that game. And then against Marquette and Marcus Howard, who, if Miles Powell is is the best player in the conference and one of the best players in the country, uh, Marcus Howard is certainly on that list as well. Uh, he scores 32 against St. John's in the Red Storm. End up falling in that game, 82-68, to on the road against the Golden Eagles of Marquette. And that's obviously the game that we're going to focus on a little bit more for this episode and um, yeah, I mean, I, I want to preface my thoughts on this game and this really this season so far. I want to preface them by saying this because I don't want people to get too upset at me. So I want, I want to, I want, I want to acknowledge that I understand both sides of the argument here. I understand that this St. John's team was picked in the preseason to finish ninth in the conference. I, I, I totally get that. I understand that they were not picked to go to the NCAA tournament this year. I understand that we came into the year saying if if they can get to 500 and make the NIT, that's a good year. I, I totally get that going into the year. I totally get that Mike Anderson is in his first season here. That Mike Anderson isn't really coaching a lot of the guys that he recruited. You know, I think Julian Champagne is the only guy on this roster right now that is a Mike Anderson guy. All these other guys are, are Chris Mullin guys. So he is instilling a, a, a system that's gonna take time, obviously. He you know, he's instilling a, a forty minutes of hell pressing type, you know, helter skelter type system that is, is gonna take some time to be implemented. And that, and that time is not, you know, a couple of games, it's it's a couple of years, you would think, of getting his type of guys in there. So I understand that. I also understand that the Big East is is probably the best conference in America right now. You know, when you look at the Big East and in going into the season, we 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 thought this, and it's it's really come to fruition. I understand that the Big East is probably going to send at minimum seven teams to the to the NCAA tournament. I I totally get that. Maybe eight. You know, depending on how DePaul and Xavier shake out, maybe eight and Georgetown, maybe eight. And and there's a good chance that that every single team in the Big East either plays in the NCAA or the NIT. I get that. So I understand all of that. It was a it was a perfect storm for St. John's to have the type of season like they are having. So I want to preface what I'm about to say by by first saying all of that. But it is it is just so disheartening for me as a fan to to watch this same story over and over and over and over again. And I'm and I'm not just talking about this season. I'm talking about you know a couple of years, two years ago. I'm talking about, you know, 2014 under Steve Lavin. Uh, it's just it's just over and over and over again this cycle of a strong non-conference performance, you know, an 11 and 2 uh, as as they were this season, you know, a 10 and 2 a couple of years ago, you know, a, a 12 and 0 as they were last year, seeing that strong non-conference and then entering Big E's play and opening 1 and 6 or opening 0 and 11. Or opening 0 and 5. Here, I, I want to pull up something real quick. Here are the St. John's uh, starts in Big East play since 2013 14. Here we go. Here, here's how the Red Storm have started since 2013 14 1 and 6, 3 and 5, 0 and 11, 3 and 5, 0 and 13, 3 and 6, 0 and 5. That's going from this year back to 2013 14. So it just feels like every single year, and it feels like we're watching the same story over and over and over again with this program where the losses to start Big E's play, it just feels like, and, and that's what we felt like this season too, where, where you look at this season right now, and St. John's has six losses in the conference, and you look at those six losses and you go, Butler, they had a five-point lead with three minutes left. On the road against Xavier, they lost by eight, but did Xavier do anything in that game that made you feel like they were... Head and shoulders better than Saint John's? No. Georgetown—they played a terrible first half, and they got—they got—they're blown off the floor. That's fine. DePaul—they won. Providence was the same story as Xavier. You know, did Providence do any in that anything in that game that made you feel like they were head and shoulders above Saint John's? No. Seton Hall—you had a 13-point lead of the half. You—you you lost to the better team. There's nothing to be upset about that game, but nonetheless, you just couldn't close it out. And now Marquette—the same thing. You were in that game the entire way through, and you could not close it out. And it just gets disheartening for the fans, and I'm, I'm sure it gets disheartening for the players to be watching this same story over and over again, not only, you know, this season, but but past seasons as well. It's tough. It's tough to just continually watch this team come into Big East play and, and to feel like you've had a chance to win every single one of these games that you've played so far. You know, am I saying that they should be 6-1 and right now or 7-0? and No. But, the, the, you know, it's not crazy to think that this team had a shot to be a 3-4 and four type team right now in the conference. Or a 4-3 and three even. Instead, they are 1-6 and because they haven't been able to close out really one game this season. Even DePaul, they almost let back into that game. They really have not been able to close out one game in the Big East. And it's killed them so far. You know, when even this Marquette game, you play well. You were in this game. You you took a big punch. You fell behind by 14 in the second half. You got it back down to two, and you couldn't close it out. And it just feels like we've watched this story a lot. And you worry now, because I, I still think that the goal should be six wins in the conference. I do. But you worry now how much of a toll this is going to take on these players to just continually be losing really what feels like the same game over and over again. Where you're in the game, you know, you have you have the talent to compete with every team in this conference because Seton Hall is at the top right now and you led them by 13 at the half and you were in that game the entire way through so St. John's clearly has the talent level to at least compete but I just don't think that they have the talent level to win and to close out games and at some point you know if we're saying that as a fan base I would think that the coaches and the players it's in the back of their head too that, you know what, we're good enough to compete, but we're not good enough to win. And, and you hate to think that, but it, I'm worried that that's going to be the thought process now. And I don't want this to turn into a 2-16, uh, you know, doormat Big East season. I don't think it will, but that's what I'm, I'm worried about. That it just gets in their heads and at some point these players break and these these close losses just keep piling up and piling up and piling up. But at the end of the day, like I said, I I understand that this team was picked really to play where they are right now at the bottom of the conference. I get that. But you have to admit that the the expectations were at least a little bit higher after that 11-2 start. I I came into the year thinking they were going to go 9-4 in the non-conference. They beat a West Virginia team that looks like a top you know, 15 team right now. They beat an Arizona team basically on the road that looks like a top 25 team right now. Both of those teams could end up being conference champions in two months, and they beat both of them in closed games. They closed out those two games just fine. So it's not like they can't do it. It's just they haven't been able to do it yet in the Big East, and that's the frustrating thing. Because we've seen this team upset teams and play with teams better and beat those teams in West Virginia and Arizona, who would both be, I think, top top of the Big East teams if they were in the conference. That's what the frustrating part comes in, because the expectations were raised. Like, you can't deny that the expectations were raised for this team heading into conference play at 11-2. and two off a huge win against Arizona and a huge win against West Virginia, you can't deny that the expectations were at least a little bit higher than we thought they were going to be, you know? And, and, and the thought was maybe this could be an NCAA tournament team. You can't deny that. So it, it still hurts. I understand that going into the season, the expectations were low, but they were certainly rise and that just doesn't, they were certainly, you know, higher going into conference play. And that just doesn't make it easier for us as fans, for I'm sure the players to continually be losing the way that they're losing games, you know, not being able to close out. It's tough. It's absolutely tough, but we'll see. We'll see how they're able to, uh, to rebound now after another week of tough, tough losses. Now they've dropped three in a row, so we'll see. But I feel like I've been a little bit too negative here. I want to get to some of the positives of this game. Um, first is from a team standpoint, I touched on a little bit before down by 14, At points in the second half I I think they fell behind by 11 too after Howard made those five free throws uh, on on Rutherford which I'll get to in a second terrible call against Rutherford but I I think they fell behind by 11 and then by 14 at points in the second half and they fought back they got down to two they again weren't able to to close the game out and the final score obviously looks a little bit worse than I, I thought the actual game was but they fought back in this game. They did not, you know, uh, I give Mike Anderson all the credit in the world because they have they fought hard in this game. They never really felt like they were out of this game. Um, some player performances that I liked. Mustafa Heron had a really nice game, 18 points on 7 of 13 shooting and 4 of 7 from 3-point range. I think he hit 4 straight 3s in the first half. There was a period in that first half where Mustafa Heron was the best player on the floor including Marquette, where he was better than Marcus Howard for a little bit of, of time there, where he was the best player on the floor, not only for St. John's, but for, for the game. And that's what St. John's needed, needs him to be all year. LJ Figueroa uh, only shot one of seven from three, but shot six of 14 from the field, finished with 13 points, had a nice second half, I feel like. And if they continually get these games out of Heron and Figueroa, they will win a couple in the Big East, they will. They combined for 31 tonight, which is a little bit low. But really right around where you need those two guys to be. You know, somewhere in the 30 to 40 range. If those two guys keep playing the way that they're playing, they're going to be okay. And they will win a couple of games. One more performance that I really want to highlight is Marcellus Erlington. In 18 minutes, he scores 9 points and grabs 6 rebounds. Took 12 shots, actually. Went 4 of 12. uh, Hit a 3 as well. Uh, he, He still handles the ball a little bit too much on the perimeter, which I don't like the whole team really holds the ball too much on the perimeter which i don't like but erlington especially i would like him to be uh, more of just a, a you know below the basket type player but he finds the ball you know rebounding uh, putbacks he, he finds the ball and he's been a very 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 good player for them in uh, in, the, in the in the conference play so far erlington 9 points in 18 minutes off the bench really really good job by him he's played very very well even Julian Champagne had a nice game as well. Eight points and nine rebounds from him on 2 of 5 shooting. That's exactly what they need those guys to do. You know, nine points, eight points, seven, somewhere around there. That's fine. The negative performances, Rasheem Dunn scored 12 points, but went four of 15 from the field. Uh, way too out of control. You know, you I've said this before, I feel like he gets blinders sometimes. when he I like that he drives to the basket, but sometimes his decision-making Upon driving to the basket is not the best. I'm curious to see how many shots he's had blocked in the last two games, because sometimes I think maybe he he thinks he's taller than he is, or he thinks he can he can bully his way to the basket maybe a little bit more than he can, and he gets his shots blocked, or or he makes a a, a tough, tough tough attempt at a shot, or he's trying to you know make a wild pass back out. So he was too out of control in this game, and I don't want to say he cost them the game, but but down the stretch he definitely did not help them. You know, and more so hurt them down the stretch. So Rasheem Dunn, probably his worst game, uh, not only of his of Big E's play, but really of his St. John's career this season so far. He did not play well in 32 minutes. Uh, Nick Rutherford only played 15 minutes, was supposed to really be the guy that shut down Marcus Howard. Marcus Howard finished with 32 points in this game. Um, Rutherford picked up those two fouls early. The first one on the first possession I thought was a bad call. And then the the one coming out of halftime was terrible on the three point attempt uh, that he that they called a foul on him for Marcus Howard looked like he got all ball they call a foul whatever. You gotta keep your composure there. You can't pick up the technical foul too, but I I understand it. You know, you would just had to sit out the entire first half because of two fouls that were a little, little, little questionable, and then the, really the first play of the second half. Now you get called for another questionable foul, and you know that you're going to be sitting again. Um, not a good job by him to take the technical, but I understand it because that was a bad call. And you know, I, I will say when the refs made correct calls, but this the rest were not good in this game it was a bad bad call to take nick rutherford out of that game as well. Uh Ian Steer did not play well. He only played 3 minutes and uh picked up 2 fouls in those 3 minutes and fouled Marcus Howard when he made a when he made a runner in the lane. Uh, I think he had a turnover as well. I believe he traveled as well, so not a good game from Ian Steer. Maybe we're seeing a little bit why he hasn't really made the court too much uh so far since he's been eligible to return, but Overall, it's a 14-point loss for the Red Storm. And, um, you know, they've got to regroup here. They've got to keep this thing from getting to, you know, 1-10, 1-11. They've got to. It starts against DePaul. DePaul's a a beatable team. I know it's a road game, but DePaul's a team that you can beat. And like I said, I I still think that six wins is, is not crazy to think that they can do. You know, you look at the teams that they've lost to already on the road. Xavier providence georgetown and i'd even put marquette in there are teams that i feel like they can beat at home will they win all four of those games probably not but you don't think they can go three and one in that stretch against those four teams at home i think they can that's five wins that's a four wins right there you know beat DePaul on the road you know Try to beat Mark, or, or you know, try to pick up a win against Villanova or Scene Hall or that You're probably not going to. But I, I just I don't think that 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 five or six wins is, is totally out of the realm of possibility here. You're probably headed headed towards an eighth or ninth or tenth place finish. But I, I still think that there are some winnable games left on this schedule. And just judging by the way that they've played, they've been in, like I said, every single game. And that does make it tougher. But at the same time, it is encouraging. That's that's I'll end this with, with a positive note. It is encouraging that they have played tough in every single game that we've seen this season they've played tough so give them credit for playing tough for hanging around in a year that I know they were picked last or picked ninth in the conference I get that give them credit for playing tough it is hard to watch you know this same story unfold night in and night out it is tough but at the end of the day give them some credit uh, an ounce of credit you know you know you can you can be happy with this team you know, getting moral victories, that's fine. If, if you're a moral victory type guy, you're having a fine season. And if you're someone like me who, who prefers to, to win and got their expectations raised, which I think was most of the fan base, you're also correct that you're upset right now. You know, you can be upset that this team is one in six and hasn't been able to close out any games while also giving them credit for playing tough and for being in every one of these games. You know it's those two things are not mutually exclusive so we'll see that they are one in six right now and do need to to regroup going forward all right let's kick it to our guest for the day he is ct fazio he is a uh, member of the st john's twitter community if you're active on st john's twitter as i know many of us are uh you will know him for his tweeting about the red storm and the denver nuggets as well so let's kick it to him and let's get going Okay, I'm now joined by, I think a rather respected member. At least I respect him. Uh, of of St. John's Twitter. It is C. T. Fazio, someone who I've gone, I've been going back and forth with over the last couple of weeks, and uh, someone who I feel like has a very good grasp of the Red Storm uh, and you know the, the the thoughts behind the the plays and everything like that. So, C. T., thank you for coming on. Hey, Troy, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So. Before we get into the, the talk of the Red Storm and, the, and this game against Marquette, I have a weird question for you. You're a Denver Nuggets fan as well. H- how did that come about? Because St. John's and the Denver Nuggets is a weird combo. I know it is. Everyone, all my friends say it's, a, it's an odd
0: combo, but uh, growing up I've been a, a huge Carmelo Anthony fan when uh. I played for the Nuggets. And then my friends were saying, oh, you can't be a frontrunner now since you can't trade to the Knicks so ever since then I've stuck with the Nuggets
1: over the years and, and now they're finally relevant so it's good to be a fan now okay yeah I respect that I I know a lot of like LeBron fans at least just kind of follow him wherever he goes so I I respect that you didn't you didn't jump ship to the local team as well um, but there's been a lot of 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 good basketball for you to watch with the Nuggets at least this season Uh, they're at the top of the Western Conference or near the top St. John's not so much the Red Storm uh one and six now in the in the conference after their loss to Marquette um I said in my open you know I think we had reason to be a little bit more excited about this team with the non-conference play but they were still I understand that they were still picked to finish ninth in the conference so where do you fall on that are you are you Upset with how they've played so far, or are you someone who says, you know what, they're they're basically playing to what we all thought they would be? I think to the fan base, it's a little disappointing about the record that they have right now, mm-hmm.
0: but especially from the non conference because they played excellent in the non conference. Mm-hmm. They only lost, the only losses were to Vermont and to Arizona State, which both games were winnable. Yeah, but Arizona, they played an extremely good game without a stop. Aaron Elgin Figueroa was the MVP of that game. That was probably the best game of his career. And they also beat West Virginia, who's the top 20 team in the country. Feel mm-hmm. as though, you know, the, the fan base has a reason to be kind of disappointed about it. But like I said, you know, we were talking last night that... big east play they've been in every single game Mm -hmm. a couple more bounces this this record would probably
1: be 500 in the big east exactly yeah there are a few bounces away and a few closeouts away from being even like three and four you know and and, and that's i think the frustrating part is is they've been in every single game and they've there's you know like i said there are a few bounces away from being in the middle of this conference and really in the ncaa tournament picture you know
0: Right, because they have the two wins over West Virginia Arizona. Yeah. So they're going to carry weight until mm-hmm. the end of the year. But at this point, they need to start picking up some more wins in order to get to that NCAA tournament
1: conversation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. With, with this game specifically against uh, Marquette, I think we knew going in Marcus Howard was going to get his points. I don't know if we thought he was going to get 32 points. Um, we were saying last night that you know St. John's didn't have that that kind of Justin Simon stopper on Marcus Howard. Right. And obviously, Nick Rutherford picked up, was in foul trouble really right from the start and then right in the second half as well. That hurt them as well. But I still feel like they didn't do a very good job covering Marcus Howard. It feels like way too many of his looks were uncontested or barely contested when you need to be on him right away. Do you feel that way too? I definitely feel that way in
0: the second half. I thought the first half, uh, Anderson did a good job putting Greg Williams yeah. and Rutherford on him because Greg Williams is also a, a pretty good defender. Mm-hmm. But, I watched a lot of the NBA and James Harden and Damian Lillard and those types of players. Teams double team them in the pick and roll, mm-hmm. just, like, just like Anderson was doing last night. We had Roberts come up to double team Marcus Howard, and he did that to Miles Powell in the last game. But I thought the second half of both of those games, they got loose, and they weren't really double teaming them again. And also, I feel like when they're both ISOing, they had to send an extra defender to get the ball out of their hands
1: mm-hmm. to make
0: somebody else make a play. Mm-hmm. If you look at the scene hall game, They'd like Winchie McKnight to go off 15 points in the first half. Mm-hmm. That didn't really matter. St. John's was still up 13. They were, their their game plan was let him go off and let's limit Miles Powell. So I thought their game plan actually was actually pretty good for both the games until the second half until the offense kind of stagnated and then they couldn't really defend as
1: well mm-hmm. going forward. But yeah.
0: overall, I think they did pretty well.
1: Yeah. Nick Rutherford uh, you know, only playing 15 minutes in this game. Uh, I feel like if he was on Powered, you know, for, let's say, 30 minutes or 32 minutes of this game. I don't think Howard gets 32 points. I think that Rutherford was going to do a good job because we saw what he did in that first half, uh, mainly guarding Miles Powell on Saturday. Just feels like him getting in foul trouble. I-, I didn't think that the first foul that was called on him and then the the third foul in the second half, those were two bad calls. And I think that, you know, the, the officials weren't great in this game, but those two fouls really killed St. John's on Rutherford. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree.
0: The technical that found the second half last night was definitely the uh, momentum shifter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when he's out there, he's he's out there for defense, and mm-hmm. he can handle the ball. But his offense is not as much defense as he gives is the offense that he, he doesn't have mm-hmm. going out there down the court. Mm-hmm. So he was a big loss last night, and then also a thrower for it out. Then you put uh, Rashim Dunn as the main primary. A ball handler and, and he's not really a point guard to be honest with you he's more of a, a scoring guard mm-hmm. getting into the paint and last night his decision making was all over the place and and that's why they they, they fell behind by so much And then they, they actually got the lead you know kind of close yeah in the middle of the second half but,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: the, the shooting also
1: didn't help them either so yeah let's let's talk uh one more about i want to get to the offense for sure one more about the defense though uh marquette 12 of 32 from three-point range howard won four of 12 in this game um way too many times in this game where it was the ball around the perimeter and guys were especially in that in that corner wide open corner threes wide open threes from the wing is it the rotations is it the press like what are you seeing from st john's defensively that is allowing so many of these wide open threes is it the press is it the rotations you know what are you seeing going in for steals,
0: mm-hmm. and also Anderson says, I've heard on some of the uh, like the interviews he's done, is they want to dig down on some of the, the big men, mm-hmm. which I think that's, a, that's not really that good of a strategy, because I don't feel, John, I think he went scoreless last night, Yeah, and tomorrow yeah, yeah. Gill, like, they let him go off too, it doesn't matter if he goes off, because you want to limit Miles Powell, you want to limit Marcus Howard, mm-hmm. so, and also the defense last night, where they're making Roberts come up to try to trap Marcus Howard, mm-hmm. and they let the guy in the corner Who's the three-point shooter. They put him to guard the center off the roll. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're getting so many open threes. But I actually thought some of
1: the threes were missing last night. They were open. Yeah. At some point of the game. So that was, I think that was a strategy of, of what Anderson wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Marquette shot twelve of thirty-two, and they probably missed about eight open threes. I would say, so they could have shot like twenty of thirty from three-point range for sure. I, I think that's a big part of it. What you said as well is the collapsing on the big men and the doubling on the big men. I don't know if you necessarily need to do that, and then it just results, no. you know, and and the and the closeouts as well are not great. Even on Marcus Howard, I feel like the closeouts are just not great.
0: I thought the strategy was good to send another defender at him. Yeah. Just to get the ball out of his hands and let somebody else make a play mm-hmm. to beat you. Because I, I I'm confident in, in them winning the game. If you let Jakar at him or mm-hmm. say, you know, i seen Holt, like I said, Quincy McKnight, mm-hmm. let him let him score the points and then they were still up 13 at the half against Seattle, mm-hmm. so let them go off and then limit the
1: two star players. Mm-hmm. See, where, see where you fall at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the obviously the big problem in this game was Howard had the 32, and then like you said, Sakar Annam put up 21 as well. So those two guys, 53 of their 82 points. When those two guys combine for you know 50 plus, it's going to be hard to win any game. You know, I don't think anyone else on Marquette had. Uh, someone had 10 points that's it so you don't really need a whole lot from anyone else when you're getting 50 points out of two players
0: right yeah. and then also too the second half of both the games is where you let Powell get loose and then you let Howard get loose mm-hmm. so if you continue to have the strategy of let's continue to take away Powell let's continue to take away Marcus Howard and let's see if, if these players these other players can beat us mm-hmm. I, I really think the strategy going in the first half of both games were, were pretty good mm-hmm. but, and also the offense too didn't, didn't help
1: yeah yeah the offense feels like it got it, it's gotten a little stagnant down the stretch of both of those games uh let's transition to the offense now still felt like a little bit too much was on the perimeter in this game they still shot 28 threes at least they made 10 of them in this game but a lot of that was um, Mustafa Aaron who hit four threes I, I just I still, nice like, yeah he played really really well yeah he, he had a really good game seven to 13 shooting as well but I still feel like the offense is just too too predicated on the perimeter. Um, there were there were possessions where they did not advance the ball inside the three point line until like there was 12 seconds to shoot. They were running off like 18 seconds just on the perimeter. It just it feels like too much of their offense is run throughout the perimeter. You know.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the ball is to be honest with you, is in, in Rasheed's hands too much. Yeah. He's, he's he's basically the only creator that they have at the guard spot other than Brotherford, but their teams don't really respect him because he can't shoot. he's mm-hmm. Not at least could shoot, but I mean even his three point percentage I'm looking at it right now, he's only shooting uh twenty two percent of three and that's that's not you know, that's not really a th- he's not really a threat out there. To shoot. He did hit two last night,
1: but mm-hmm. I think the ball honestly should be
0: more in stop Heron and LJ Figueroa's hands. Mm-hmm. Just in the case of letting them handle the ball and let them play make I saw Heron last night, he had a, two great passes to uh I think one was the Greg Williams that he was cutting to the rim. Yes. He's, he's actually a really underrated passer. So I think the offense should should be ran through both uh Heron and Figueroa moving forward mm-hmm. a lot
1: more. Yeah, and like you said, Rutherford running the point, you know, the Dunn is not like you said, Dunn is not a point guard. Um he struggled That's in, a in Yeah, right yeah, exactly. Yeah. He struggled on this game. Four fifteen shooting. I, I said in my in my open that I just recorded, feels like he he attacks the rim. He's he's really their only guy that you feel like he can really get to the rim. But I feel right. like his decision making once he enters the paint, he either thinks that he's taller than he is and thinks that he can bully these, you know, seven footers like Theo John or Maro Gill, or he thinks that or I think he just kinda gets blinders to the rim. Like what what do you see with him when he's attacking the rim? Because I love that he's attacking, but his decision-making once he gets there is not really very good. Right. So I thought against the DePaul,
0: that was his best game he's ever had at St. John's. Mm-hmm. He was attacking the rim. He had 19 points, I think he had eight rebounds, a couple mm-hmm. of assists. Mm-hmm.
1: But the the problem why people are uh,
0: closing at the rim on him is because they lack outside shooters. Mm-hmm. They're shooting 27% from three in Big East play. Mm-hmm. So the scattering of board is, let's Take away L. J. and the stopper from shooting threes, unless let anyone else shoot a three, and we'll live with the results. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what it is. And then they're trying to take Don away at the rim, and that's his main strength is getting to the rim because he really can't. His three point shot is not really a threat. He's, mm-hmm. he's a pretty street
1: shooter. Mm-hmm. So you feel you feel like they're almost one one like knockdown shooter away from being a really good team because like you said teams can just collapse on Rasheem Dunn and one his decision making isn't great and two right. he has like you said he has no one to pass it out to you feel like they're like one I mean uh, David Karaher I think was supposed to be that type of guy just one like knockdown shooter away from being a really good team right he's shooting 24% from three right now so he's really not the numbers don't back up that he's, he's a good shooter, but he's playing limited minutes. So yeah. I really mm-hmm. can't say that he's not a good shooter if he's not really playing that much. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy who we, we touched on, Heron, we touched on Dunn, we touched on Figueroa. I think Ms. Uh, Marcellus Erlington, and I, I don't think this is you know a hot take or anything like that. He's been their most consistent player in Big e's play. He had nine points and six rebounds in this game. Uh, he shot a little bit too much, I think. Uh, he's another guy who I feel like spends too much time out on the perimeter when he's not a perimeter player at all. He should be near the basket or under the basket really at all times. But he's been like he's been in the right spot always for them. Uh, he definitely like plays hard down low. I like his game a lot, and I think he's a, he's going to be a type of guy that's a good Good four-year player for them. I've, I've been really impressed
0: with uh, the development of Marcel Arlington, especially mm-hmm. last year. We didn't really get a good, uh, good glimpse of what he can do. He yeah. only played about four minutes a game last year under Mullen. Mm-hmm. So this year he's been he's been excellent. He really he can do a lot of things out there on the court. He's very versatile. He can um, he can pass the ball really well. He's um, someone who has great instincts crashing the glass. He has also great hands when you can throw him the ball to pick and roll. Mm-hmm. He can finish on the rim really well. So I've been really impressed
1: with his play throughout the season for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me, we've been touching you know, mostly on the defense and a little bit on the offense as well. One thing that St. John's can do defensively and one thing that they can do offensively to kind of get out of this rut that they've been in, obviously losing six or seven in the conference. Is there one thing on the defensive and on the offensive end that you can pinpoint to say this needs to improve for them to be a better team? I think offensively, uh, they need to start playing more offensive-centric lineups. Mm-hmm. So you've been seeing now Anderson put it done in the starting lineup,
0: and he put he moved Mustafa down basically to the four, like stretch four, mm-hmm. kind of, so he could shoot the ball better. Because he was playing the two, Mustafa, and he was kind of a, a little out of sorts mm-hmm. with that. So he's better at the four. Mm-hmm. But I think they should play more offensive lineups where they put in... Maybe put in Rasheed at the point out of necessity. They really don't have many other uh, other players who they can play there.
1: Yeah. Maybe Rasheed, Greg Williams can shoot a little bit. Maybe David Carragher could get a little more minutes. I think Jeff Penny's actually been a better shooter out of the basketball games lately. Yeah, I agree. His percentage up to thirty-two
0: percent right now. That's actually not not bad considering the rest of the shooting percentages.
1: hmm Yeah, he can hit a so jumper. I, I, yeah.
0: I, right. I play a little more offensive lineups where you have the and out to handling the ball. And, uh, and Robertson's been good lately, too. He's been he's yeah. scoring pretty well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's been aggressive in a pick and roll. I think they should need to find him a little more
0: uh, off the roll. Because he, he can really uh, catch some lobs in there, get finished inside. Mm-hmm. And then defensively, I, I would actually ramp up the pressure, to be honest with you. I, I don't think the pressure has been, been there the best couple game. So they have like, the all-out traps that they usually used to do. Yeah. Uh huh. I haven't seen that as much lately, so I would try to do that and maybe try to rattle some teams. Mm-hmm. But going forward, I think I think everyone knew this year is going to be yeah. a little bit of a uh, you know a up and down year, mm-hmm. especially after the non conference. I think that's why most people got roped in saying that they were going to be you know really good in the
1: conference. Yeah, hand up. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they've been pretty good throughout throughout conference play, especially next year. I know the win loss doesn't reflect that. No, yeah, I think that, they've been next competing. Year
0: in, they have some, some good players. I yeah. think Alexander coming in, he's, a, he's an actual point guard. Yeah, so he can he can you know run a pick and roll. He gets to the rim. He can shoot a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a really good addition next year. So mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if out Boggs comes back,
1: but hopefully,
0: I think hopefully, I think he's going to be a big time addition. But mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to see the rest of the year. I think they can win a couple more games, and uh, they'll be a top
1: down in the biggest tournament for sure. No, I agree, and they, they they've. You have to give them credit, and I said this in my open. You can you can give them credit for playing tough in these games, and you know not not really getting blown out of any games except for Georgetown, while also being upset that they're one and six right now. You know those two things are not mutually exclusive. You know. Right,
0: they've, they've been in every game. They've, I mean, against Marquette last night, they were basically down less than eight points, and you know the, the game got blown open at the end. But every game they've been right there at the end. I really thought the Saint Hall game they were going to win. Yeah, no, that absolutely. Game, but they had that game, that's a top 10 team. So they, they almost beat them. They
1: beat the Paul, who just beat Butler. Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Thank you for coming on. And uh, hopefully we'll talk soon in the in the, uh, in the future because I enjoy kind of breaking down the games like this with you. So I appreciate you for coming on on kind of short notice here. Absolutely. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on, Troy. All right. Talk soon. Thank you. All right. All right big thank you to. Uh, CT Fazio there from coming on Uh, Really cool interview It was more kind of X's and O's oriented on his side at least and I always like that because like I said I feel like he's someone who really understands the X's and O's of what goes into, into these games so uh, I appreciate him kind of coming on and giving us that type of a breakdown um, The behind that interview we were actually just like going back and forth on Twitter last night during the game and I, and I just DM'd him and I was like would you want to come on to the show sometime and he's like yeah absolutely and then we worked it out about 12 hours later he's on the show so that was cool kind of him coming on on short notice there and uh, like I said kind of giving a different perspective not no no disrespect obviously to anyone else that we have on but he kind of comes on with a different perspective of more uh x's and o's oriented on the offensive and defensive ends which is exactly uh what i was hoping for so that was pretty cool i thought and i hope everyone enjoyed it but we'll see we'll probably have him on again uh sometime throughout the season long and it's good that we add another new voice to this show as well but that wraps up our show for today uh, we will have another show out next week after the Villanova game, for sure. Probably that Tuesday night. I'll, I'll be at the game, uh, but I'm going to try to then go home and do a podcast afterwards. So we will see about that. Uh, looking forward to be surrounded by about 30,000 Villanova fans. That's sure going to be fun at the Garden because, you know, they're going to take over. So that'll be real fun. And uh, But hopefully the Red Storm can right the ship a little bit. I think, like I said, I think the Paul this weekend is a winnable game for them. So we will see. And then they get Villanova at home. You never know. They beat them last year at home. Obviously, they always seem to play Villanova tough at home, at least. So we will, we'll see about that. And um, we'll have it. We'll have an episode out after that game as well. So. Thank you all for listening to this show. Hopefully the red storm can improve a little bit this season to make things uh, a little more positive on the show. But thank you all for listening. And as always, let's go Johnny's.